に上がら関係ねえ<笑> Shall we begin? Into his coming I can do this all day Tear down this wall <笑>行くぞ Welcome to the Unscriptify podcast powered by Jägermeister. And ready and get ready to dive deep into the fascinating world of comics and storytelling. Today we have the privilege to sit down with Eisner winning comic book writer, Matt Fraction. From Iron Man to Sex Criminals, he wrote and created triumphs and falls of our favorite superheroes. Without further ado, Matt, are you ready to go genuine, uncensored and unscripted with us today? I'm ready, yes. I'm good, how are you? Great. It's a privilege to be here with you today uh, as your fan and as a podcast host as well. And before most, before most, if not every comic book writer, there was a comic book fan first. What is the first comic you remember picking up and did it take you on this writing journey or not? Yeah, the first comic I remember was um, Batman 316. <laughs> which was a, a, a Batman and Robin fighting a guy called a Crazy Quilt. Um, it is uh, completely bonkers. I've gone back and like I've reread it. It's just completely nuts. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it clearly it did something for me. Um, um, I, you know, I, I was a, a inveterate doodler and artist when I was a kid and sort of drew constantly and and uh something about uh something about finding comics and the way that they tell stories with words and pictures was just a thing that made sense to me and the thing that i responded to and enjoyed kind of profoundly and and yeah it's uh uh, uh set me where it set me on the path to where i am today i'm i'm sure is there maybe lingering wish to write uh batman and robin uh coming not terribly i mean um you know i've got to do i, I did a, a a short for a detective comics a while back and got to do some batman showing up in um in in my jimmy olsen run that i did with steve lieber um uh but i mean it's batman so probably somewhere you know I, I i don't know that i have anything in me at the moment but uh uh you know it's batman sure who who, who couldn't tell a story or two about batman i guess yeah it's know. probably like a, it's like a mount rushmore of comic books you know, yeah yeah and if it feels nice like you know i got to do it a little bit you know so if it never happens again i'll, I'll die happy i'll be okay i won't feel like i never got to do it <laughs> but uh you know it's like getting a James Bond role for extras. You shouldn't turn it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to be a henchman that gets you know shot and falls off a gangplank. Just to be a part of it was was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, speaking about thing, uh, things you did, one of your most popular and most beloved storyline is Hawkeye. Uh, Hawkeye, my life as a weapon. Yeah. For yeah. Ma- for majority, Clint Barton is not one of the go-to heroes they would pick from the shelf, but. I always loved his character, especially as down-to-earth guy. This mortal among men. And how yeah. do you see Hawkeye? And do you think that this down-to-earth approach in your particular storyline story uh, influenced his popularity among readers and fans alike? Um, that's exactly what I liked about him. Um, Mark Grunewald did uh, a Hawkeye like limited series in, like, I don't know, maybe 1984. Four. um and at the end he he sort of uh he damaged his hearing uh deliberately uh so you know I, I can't remember who the bad guy was but there's some kind of like mind control thing happening and he deafened himself so he wouldn't hear it um and that was how he he managed to save the day um but then like the next month in Avengers, there was a whole storyline, a whole issue where the Avengers were going to go on um, late night with David Letterman. It's like, you know, like a, a, a talk show, you know, like a, co- a comedy chat show out here. And, and his hearing was still damaged. And the whole issue, he was obsessed with trying to get everything, uh, all of Dave's questions ahead of time. He was worried that Dave was a comedian. He was going to improv, and and if he improv and 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 threw a curveball, Hawkeye wouldn't be able to hear it. 
and everybody would know he was hiding his deafness and he wouldn't get to be an Avenger anymore. You know, and it was like the first time I had seen a comic character sustain an injury that, that wasn't better the next month. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't just go away the next month. It's like, oh, well, good thing I survived that exploding building or whatever. He was he was beat up and, yeah. and I, he literally got so in his head worried about it. He got lost in the Avengers mansion. You know, like he was so like anxious and 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 that I, I don't know. I just all of that spoke to me. And you know, the arrows are amazing. Like they, that was always the trick arrows and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, that was exactly the thing I liked. Is like, why does this normal guy get to stand next to Iron Man and Captain America and Thor? Um, so it was certainly the the thing about the character that interested me that i wanted to talk about and i mean it it it, it seems to have resonated with people you know that's sort of um uh what 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 makes an avenger what makes a hero isn't the superpowers or the you know being a norse god but you know it's something internal and fragile uh and i just, i love that as a kid it, it affected me as a kid and um that it found resonance with people, you know, who, who if, if I knew what it was about that book that, that people responded to that, that made it successful, I would, you know, do it all the time, every time, but we were, we were, <laughs> we were lucky, right place, right time. And um, uh, it, it, it found an audience, which I'm eternally grateful for. Yeah. But uh, part of the reason that uh, Hawkeye had such impact is maybe also additional personal touch you gave it, because if I'm correct, Hawkeye is influenced by your own experience living in Brooklyn. If that's and if that's true, what's the part of the Hawkeye story that's most similar to your own story? Um, I I never uh, lived in Brooklyn, but it's it's certainly um you know it, it certainly was influenced by um life in cities as i experienced it then you know i had lived in newark a little bit i lived in chicago and, and um uh the sort of you know i wanted to tell us you know I, I was really interested in his world i was really interested in where he went to go do his laundry you know and that mm-hmm. meant uh, different types of people and ethnicities and all of it coming together and and um um I was affected by a thing that uh, a friend of mine who, who who actually did live in Brooklyn said there was a a blackout in New York a few years after 9-11. Um, and we were talking about it uh, uh, and he said something really interesting. He said that it was the best parts of 9-11. Like it mm-hmm. was everybody brought their food out onto the streets and fired up grills and were cooking for each other and hanging out together and it's sort of like the whole city became like a block party um and he just sort of lived like even though he, he had lived in his apartment at that point for for like 20 years or whatever uh but he was meeting neighbors he never knew he had and uh, all that kind of stuff and it just sort of brought that that you know that just struck me of, of something about the character of uh, of people i mean of, of new york for sure um uh but the thing of of a common cause really is important to me it's a it's a thing that i think you know keeps me from um um despair <laughs> a lot of time you know this 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 belief that innately i think you know we we all know we're we're in this together you know um and and that felt like the kind of world that would inform and inspire a guy who could blow his hearing out and still try to be an avenger you know yeah and i think also with the audience I think there was that. Uh, uh, I think audience shifted and they wanted more of uh, that ground level uh, characters, you know. And I I saw that kind of in a, in films also because Daredevil was TV series was hugely successful, and you know it, it also kind of dealt with that, you know, it, it dealt with the with the themes of the ordinary, almost yeah. people caught up in the superhero world and. Things like that. And even in Batman versus Superman, there is also kind of that theme of Bruce Wayne looking at the sky and right. seeing Superman. Right. It's just like he's so godly and they're so up and we, we almost can't right. touch them, but we, we, we are real in this world. You know, and I, I think there's something um, 
innate in DC versus Marvel, for, for lack of a better word, where the DC characters are all these kind of godlike heroes. They're, they're kings or queens or Superman or billionaires. And they're all sort of up here looking down. And, you know, the DC in its Silver Age was was fueled by science fiction writers and, and pulp writers. And that was very much yeah. the perspective at the time. And, and Marvel characters then in, you know, the early 60s were all on the ground looking up. You know, it was mm -hmm. Peter Parker. Yeah, I'm Spider-Man, but I really need to get this job to I need to I need twenty five dollars to buy my aunt's medicine. And then I have to get out to Queens to get it to her. You know, it was you know, the fantastic four. Yeah, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, and I think there's just something about Hawkeye, especially, that is like the perfect Marvel character. There are no powers. There's just hard work, mm -hmm. you know, talent for sure, but also like like willpower and hard work. And and that just that 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 I think, yeah, I think it was a time when that was the other thing when I when I pitched the book, everything that was kind of. Going on, and like, you know, I had just done these, I'd done a big crossover event, I'd done Thor, I'd done Iron Man, all these kind of giant, giant heroes, the chance to do these small, intimate stories. And, you know, um, with a, only a couple of exceptions, all of the Hawkeye issues that we did were all kind of self-contained. Yeah. You know, you, you didn't need to, there was one two-parter, or there are two two-parters. Other than that, they were all kind of standalone. Every issue had a beginning and a middle and an end, and and yes, there were things that were, you know, stories that were kind of accruing over the, the the span of the run, but it was designed to be, all right, in this issue, he just needs to buy a roll of scotch tape. You know, um, uh, this this issue, he's just trying to get a dog to the vet. This issue, you know, it's that kind of very small little things. And, and um, maybe it was just different than what was going on at the time. You know, and maybe that just kind of, a, a struck a chord because so much of, of of everything had just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and i don't know yeah i mean it seems always uh when you and aya if i'm pronouncing uh the name right uh team up it's something revolutionary you changed iron fist suit to see at the time you incorporated a asl into comics silent chapter mm -hmm. of hawkeye uh, and truly unique uh, visual concept in hawkeye how does your yeah. collaborative process uh, with Taya look like? Because the readers think you are making magic, uh, apparently. Right. Well, so do I. Um, um, and he's a genius and a madman. Um, uh, and the <laughs> best, the best thing about Iron Fist was, I mean, aside from you know, I, I got to work with Ed, who is you know one of my dearest friends, and then I got to be very close with David and. There's um I think it's maybe the second or the third issue of Iron Fist. There was a page that was scripted and Iron Fist was gonna be on the rooftop of a building and fight some guys and then get moving again. So it's just kind of like a little page as he's kind of monologuing, you know. And uh -huh. David wrote me and Ed and said, Look, I, I know what you guys want with this page. Um, can I try something? And I, I know where it starts and I know where it ends, but I want to do a thing. And then we we're like, Yeah, sure, go nuts. And he did a drawing uh, where the the building was all sort of one image divided into panels with Iron Fist kind of moving through it so that the, the background was one congruent image cut up into panels or whatever. Uh, and it was great. And he sort of went oh, here and he went there and he looped around and then he kind of ran off at the end and and... and I just remember thinking like I couldn't write that. It was such a cool effect. It was such a cool you can only do this in comics kind of thing. And it's like, oh, I I don't know how to script that. I don't know how to. Yeah. So you know, so um, you know, a lot of Hawkeye. You know, we it it was a lot of trust and a lot of communication between us. And you know, when I wrote Hawkeye, I would frequently write what's called marvel style or plot style scripts i mean they're very elaborate you know um it's not like oh okay he fights a guy it wasn't like that you know it wouldn't, wouldn't be a script page but like there's a scene with with 
Clint and Penny when they're in a kitchen and I, it was like a two page scene. And I wrote the, I wrote the, the, the script it was like the start of this, they're as far apart as they can possibly be. And at the end, they're about to kiss and here's the dialogue and sort of wrote it like a play. And David broke that out on his own and stuff like that. You know, um, we, we worked on a chapter of, of uh, Brian Bendis's um, uh, words for pictures book, sort of about writing comics um, where we, you know, but uh, it, it sort of shows a lot of the process, but as D David would say, like, like, well, to really tell that story of how we work together, you'd have to show, you know, all the drafts of the scripts and all of his kind of drawings and all, and then how I like, you know, he would, he letters on the page, like he'll do his kind of layout for a page and then he'll letter it and he'll send it back to me and be like, all right, you got too much shit. You got to clear this up. Or yeah. here's what it looks like, you know, and 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 I and I would then rewrite to those balloons and make all right. Well, that sentence needs to be smaller. Or this we can get rid of this one and all that kind of stuff, you know. But David, so David is like, really, you need to include like all the 480 emails that go back and forth between us, <laughs> you know, because there's a lot of just constant back and forth. You know, it's it's as close. You know, it's uh, um, when I started writing uh uh comics with the goal of like i, I want to do this like i want to do this and, and get good at it um i met a guy named steven sanders who's a fantastic artist we did a graphic novel called five fists of science together we were both students at the same school uh he was in the illustration department and he had a show uh and i remember seeing his work and thinking i bet that guy wants to do comics uh hmm. we had a mutual friend uh, the mutual friend uh, put us in touch and Steven and I got together and decided, yeah, let's try making comics. And we would go to a coffee shop and I would sit across from him and write for him. And he would start to kind of draw and we would just spend hours together working like that. You know, it, it is sort of, it felt like the, um, maybe the comic book equivalent of being in a garage band, you know, yeah. of, of just noodling around and figuring out how it's going to work, you know, but it was so beneficial to me to see how an artist thinks and and oh, oh okay that's a huge piece of text i just wrote so that looks like a floating paragraph so you know that it was yeah so there's a lot of back and forth and a lot of trust and a lot of um um you know i don't know what that game is called but you know but it's just a lot of that you know it's a very oh, yes, yes and yes and yes and you know yeah, it's funny because uh, your co younger colleague, Rem V, also talked about collaboration between artists and writers being in a band. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. And I think I think we're are, are, are coming, I mean, hopefully we're coming through it. I mean, I think, I think comics are in a, a kind of a, 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 a quiet place right now. Um, but I think we've been in such a writer-driven moment for so long um that a, a lot of comics i think if you just quite frankly feel and look more importantly they look overwritten mm -hmm. you know if you you open your eyes you, you open a comic and kind of blur your eyes if if you see more white blobs with black yeah. bricks of text than you do art like mm -hmm. that's not a great comic <laughs> you know but, um yeah. So I think I think we all I think writers everywhere need to 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 learn how to be more collaborative and more trusting with artists. It's just going to increase the visual firepower that happens. You know, yeah. I I've never wanted employees. I want collaborators. You know, I want co-conspirators. I just wanted to follow up on what you were saying about uh, comics being overwritten because I think the uh, the art obviously comics are visual art before everything, but. Uh, I think also uh, for someone to start reading a comic, uh, it's the art that's going to get him there to open. Because uh, I can't count on how many times I was scrolling on Pinterest or uh, Instagram and I see some cool art from comic or manga. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. I need to check this out. You know, and, that's, uh, and yeah. I think that's why the art is... Obviously, people have different tastes in art. But if you can that make it eye catching, people are gonna open the comic, and that's where it starts. It was certainly true for me, you know, and I, I think we all sort of view things through our own kind of lens of experience. But it was certainly the the uh, my case, you know. Yeah. 
but yeah, but I, also, I, I want to, I would, I would rather spend the time um, trying to find the right three words than the close enough 30 words, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Less is more. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's harder too. <laughs> Less is hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you spoke about too much words uh, making uh, a comic less compelling. And that's my biggest problem maybe with one of the comics which is regarded as the best of all time, Dark Knight Returns, which is one of the worst I have ever read. So that's huh. where I connect. Right, interesting. Um, I, 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 I uh, think that's, it's such a dense read uh uh visually too you know it's sort of working in that 16 kind of panel grid and all that um that's it's interesting it's, it's never been a thing that's occurred to me about dark knight um um but uh also, I, I, I also i also yeah. uh, i also kind of don't like it but uh, for <laughs> example frank miller also wrote uh, year one and i think that's phenomenal and yeah those are two different takes on batman but i for example yeah. think year one is phenomenal i love it yeah. i love the yeah. art in it but dark knight returns is just just too heavy for me i don't wow. know wow wow huh that's that's uh uh i think uh my age is showing you know that's uh that's uh uh, <laughs> uh, uh sacrilege in some 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 comic shops i spent a lot of time in so interesting interesting it's like yeah. finding people that are like uh yeah i'm a watchman that i'm not so into i'm like you're not allowed to say that even if it's true <laughs> yeah, but, yeah well you're speaking with a couple of guys who for entire entire childhood didn't have comic book shop in whole nation. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're a different and, and, breed. Uh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, go on. You you want to say something. No, no, I I was just thinking about it. That's, that's um mm. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh well tell me, uh you were heavily tied to the production of Hawkeye series as well. Uh did it met uh, did it meet or even exceeded your expectations or and is there something that you would do entirely different it, it was up to you um I, I i i don't know that i would say that i was heavily tied um i was uh what was called a consulting producer um so like i would i, I spent the day in the, the the writer's room and then they would kind of send me scripts to read and offer notes and some mm -hmm. of the notes they'd listen to and some they wouldn't um, you know, uh, uh, all I, I was just kind of, um, an early audience for it, you know, yeah. um, um, all of it exceeded my, it was so deeply surreal, the entire experience and, yeah. and, and, um, the show premiered, um, while I was in the, the writer's room for Monarch, uh, season one, um, which is a sort of Godzilla show that co-created yeah. and executive produced uh, on Apple TV and, and had this kind of experience of going from like spending a day writing in the Godzilla room to going to Hollywood where there was a, you know, purple carpet event and they had Christmas trees and Christmas lights and snow machines <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and there was Hawkeye art all up and down the, the it was very, all of it exceeded expectations. Um, let's see, what would I do different? Um, <laughs> I put together a, a playlist of uh, uh, David and I were were both making playlists while we were working on the book, oh, and. I uh, and I sent a uh, I sent a playlist to them. I was like, "Oh, here are all the songs that I was writing to. When I hear these songs, I think about something from Hawkeye." So the only that would that would be I would I would have uh, I had more um, music cues and music licensing, um, um, but that's just my own experience of, of of those stories was what music was playing. There's, there's still a lot of music in the in the show, so it was pretty great. Yeah, yeah. And which songs did you put on your playlist? Because I hadn't uh didn't have a chance to see the playlist actually oh boy um it's a long one uh, Just uh a few. there's a uh uh underdog by stevie wonder um uh new york's all right if you like saxophones by fear um 
uh, Christmas Baby, Please Come Home by Darlene Love. Um, those are the three that popped to mind right off the top. Uh, uh, David's had a lot of like Lalo Schifrin music and, and instrumental tracks and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, That's it would cool. have been great to get uh, uh, all that stuff in a, in a Disney show. It would have been pretty fun. But uh, yeah. but uh, no complaints, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was uh, after Loki, it's probably the, the, the best that Disney Plus, uh, at least for Marvel, uh, put out in my opinion yeah definitely yeah very kind uh there are a lot of smart really talented people that worked on it mm -hmm. and it's it's yeah. crazy that like it's they really made it they really steered into the christmas stuff like it gets they they re-show it every christmas you know they like re-promote it every christmas it was crazy it's 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 crazy enough to feel like be a part of you know something this kind of juggernaut like the mcu but then to be a part of the disney christmas entertainment universe is like mm -hmm. oh wow this is going to play forever <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah only only remarks i have about it is because uh spider-man no way home trailer uh came out mm -hmm. around that time and yeah. spider-man was swinging around uh, uh rockefeller uh, rockefeller plaza there was a christmas tree all, yeah. already lighted up and he didn't show up in the finale that was the finale that yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's it would be a cool touch, but they didn't miss him actually. And they actually shot there too. That was the crazy part. Was they shot? I I was, I was stunned that they, you know, and part of it was that COVID was still happening, so yeah. it was possible. So much of the city was still kind of quasi locked down, but they they shot a lot in New York, which was pretty great. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, and also think about uh, Hawkeye with that theme of. Uh, Christmas. It was. It felt, um, uh, and he had that message of kind of a, a Hawkeye being uh, yeah, die hard. Uh, he had a message of family being together and separated and on and on. And you know that kind of fitted that message uh, more. Yeah, 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 yeah. It 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 worked. It all. It was. It it, it was tonally appropriate. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and who hasn't uh, related to? You just want to get home for Christmas, and there's ten thousand things you got to do first. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, for other MCU shows, there weren't much relatable stuff. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see too many of them, honestly. The last couple of years of 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 have of you much watched uh, Moon Knight? Maybe. Uh, I saw. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I got all. I, I think I saw all of Moon Knight. Um, which what did I liked you it. think? I thought, of I, thought, I thought Oscar Isaac's was great. I thought it was a great. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I hope they go back and do more. It was such a, 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 such a fun, crazy character. It feels like they kind of only just barely got to scratch the surface of, of where they can go with it, you know? I think that season two is confirmed, but for me, oh, great. it, it, it kind of took a wrong turn somewhere around episode three or four, where, where they went from this more, uh, psychosocial angle of his uh, sl split personality to, uh, big monsters or gods in this case fighting yeah. in the finale. And yeah, I think I think. Little... Go no, no, no. I, yeah, I, I think I think that was. Um... Yeah, I think it was well, like quite the span of you know it it started so small and 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 then just yeah. you know sort of big kaiju gods fighting in the desert. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. I, I don't see the need why every show has to uh, to turn into some uh, spectacle fight between gods because because if everything is so big crucial catastrophic then it doesn't make sense if it happens every every time yeah yeah which i think is 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 certainly true of comics too you know mm -hmm. like if 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 every story is about the world ending none of the stories are about the world ending you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we spoke to mar wolfman and you know, he obviously uh, worked on one of the most famous ones, uh, The Infinite Crisis. Uh, and we talk about how uh, there is in comics, now you have to, there's almost like a rule to a yearly, two, one or two times do this big event where world mm -hmm. is ending and there's a ton of things at stake. But there's, it, it's just like it's mandatory. There's no story need for it. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I know that, that part of it is is sales driven, 
you know, that, that people show up for those big stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think it's, I think it's interesting sort of the, the, like the blessing and the curse of crisis is that, that I mean, crisis kind of did scale in a way that it kind of never really been done for that sustained amount of time. You talk about dense reads, yeah. right? Crisis is a, yeah. you know, um, but so much about crisis was like, it was a DC comic about other DC comics, you know, so much of crisis was like predicated on knowing a lot about what was going on all over DC. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, then I think the kind of wrong lesson to take from it is these, these so often these crossover events are about continuity or whatever. Yeah. And it's yeah, like, and Mar no, no, please. Yeah. And Marv is a big opponent of uh, continuity in comics on the other hand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that there's, there's, there's need and virtue, but, but when, comics become so self-referential i mean i remember coming into finding my first direct market comic store right after crisis and being really lost um because so much of what dc was doing was based on you have to understand what it was like before yeah you know and i didn't have any of that you know and marvel has something similar right now because if you uh, wind up into some big crossover. Uh, you have to uh, read this time, that time, this spin-off, mm -hmm. this solo series. And was it the case when you uh, when you started writing Fear itself, which I consider to be also great comic? Oh, thank you. Um, you know, I, I it's, it's funny. I I tried to do I, whether or not it was successful is, is 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 really not for me to say, I guess. But I I wanted to. I tried to leave a lot of red meat on the table for everybody else. Um, you know, I remember yeah. like the, yeah, I came into Marvel in the middle of civil war and there was a scene in like my second issue of Punisher where the characters in the scene were changed like five times mm -hmm. be because of all the various different, crossovers and things and by the end like i don't even remember who's in the scene but it makes no sense that these like four characters are all in a room together but it was like these are literally the only four characters that aren't somewhere else at this moment um <laughs> so like, all right great um so kind of planning fear itself like trying to leave big pieces of what happened to that one like somebody else can tell that story you know mm -hmm. let let's yeah. you know so it wasn't all a matter i didn't want to take all of the the big moments you know, for fear itself. And like, look, I, I, I was doing fear itself and, and didn't tie my own book into it. You know, uh, um, it was like, like I opted out of my own crossover and, and at one point, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I don't know that it was entirely successful, but, but yeah, I think that's, that's a real, and like comics are too expensive and too small. They, you know, they, they, they need to be like two dollars and twenty five cents, uh, 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 like just to keep up with inflation. With like from where things were when, like when I started reading to now, like seventy five cents is like two dollars and twenty five cents. Like that's like so we're asking people to pay four dollars, five dollars more for twenty page stories in a world where you've got streaming everything and 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 video games it's like like part of our problem is it's just economically we're upside down you know like we're asking people to yeah. pay too high a price for too small a package um I, so i don't know so I, I was really i really just wanted i wanted I'm very concerned about making sure readers get bang for their buck you know mm -hmm. and I, again i don't think i'm always successful at it but it's always in my head i'm always aware of like yeah. God damn, these things are expensive. You know, I, I'm 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 not so far away from that time in my life of like you know living in Chicago and like digging through couch cushions for change, you know, and and uh, that making the difference between what I was able to get at a comic shop or not, you know. Yeah, yeah, but like we mentioned before, we don't have comic book stores. We don't, we even don't have it now. We have bookstores which have graphic novels which consist yeah. of multiple issues 
But the first uh, single issue that I, uh, of course, we were reading it online, but I was always upset with Stanley's uh, quote, it's, uh, I love boobs on screen, but I love them in my hands more. And yeah. the first issue I had in my hands, I had to order it on eBay uh, from the United Kingdom. It took one month to arrive to Montenegro. Yeah. <laughs> and it was $5 10 years ago. It, it was yeah. it was Venom's storyline. Uh, I yeah. don't know which one, right? But you know, I I think I think uh, you know people like us who go to the shop every Wednesday, like it's always the physical component. Like digital's great, mm. and and yeah, you know, I I I think digital has has put comics in the hands, quote unquote, of of a whole new generation of readers, and I think that's fantastic. I think it's remarkable, but I think it's never gonna break away from the the, the physical artifact. I think the physical artifact yeah. is really important. But but economically, I, I'm really I really struggle with how comics make sense right now economically. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And it's also when you have something in at least for me, in the in this world, physical, uh I am more attached to it and I will not drop it. Because if I read a book on PDF, I will never finish that book. But if I have it here on my desk, I will always see it and I will always finish it. Yeah, yeah. And I think too that that if people encounter a book digitally that they like, they will seek out the physical copy later. I do so. <laughs> you know? Um, um, but yeah, I, uh, it... it it's almost cheaper to buy collections of stories now than it is mm -hmm. to buy the individual issues, you know, and that's, that's a problem. Yeah. yeah. I also switched to buying volumes because it's, yeah. it's more uh, comfortable here. Yeah. And yeah. Let me show you one that you have to have. Oh, sure. It, yeah. You need to have this one. <laughs> you can't right. have this on screen. This is just, right. you know, uh, they did a a black and white version um, in one of the absolute editions. That's really terrific yeah. too. I love I love David Lloyd's art, and seeing it in black and white is really really spectacular. Yeah, yeah. this is a, this is what I consider a perfect comic book in my opinion. Okay, you know I have some scripts from the early chapters. You know when when it was still being serialized in Warrior. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. That I guess um, a, a friend of mine in, in in Wales when he would go to conventions, the eighties when sort of it was breaking. Des Skin would sell Xeroxes of the original scripts. Mm. Um. So I have a couple of early Alan Moore scripts from from V for Vendetta and a couple from from Marvel Man, and um, he doesn't indicate page breaks hmm. it's just like panel one panel two panel three panel four panel 90 panel 91 panel 92 oh. panel 93 which is kind of fascinating uh uh that he didn't in, i don't know what point in his career he began to indicate page breaks but he wasn't doing it for warrior that sort of the, the the pagination of the stories was kind of planned by david lloyd it's really interesting well, he's a unique writer, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like it's, it's like finding out that like uh, you, know, you talk about bands. It's like, oh yeah, no, they don't have a drummer or whatever. Like, oh, it's just it seems like <laughs> such a fundamental tool of a writer uh, in comics that that. Oh, look, you know, Alan Moore worked out okay, you know, but um, but I would love to know when he started to indicate where the page breaks come, you know. But do you think uh, that maybe it was even uh, liberating for Lloyd to to make an art if he's not obliged to keep it on the page, if he yeah, has probably. that freedom to choose it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and talking about your your books, your other Eisner winning work is The Immortal Iron Fist. And on my first reading, I've noticed Kung Fu fight seems to be damn good. And oh. later I found out that you work with martial arts, uh, martial arts uh, consultant, uh, Brett uh, Gallickson. Uh, how does this oh, realism? No, I don't. No, I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know who that is. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, that's, that's what a... I read in the article. So, 
Yeah. Who knows? Kung Fu scenes are still good. Yeah, no, I just made all that stuff up. Um, well, well, we need we need to check with that uh, uh, source. <laughs> yeah, or, or maybe he worked on the show. I don't I don't know. Um, uh, but in the book, it was just me and Ed making stuff up. Oh yeah, well, it's it's great martial arts. There. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I I um was at one point a red belt in and taekwondo, but uh, but mm -hmm. but this is all kind of made up comic book kung fu, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, you you did taekwondo? Yeah, yeah. Not well. But yeah, it was a gentleman's red belt. It wasn't a yeah. yeah, yeah. Not like Joe Rogan, but yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, all that really just came from being a a, a fan of kung fu movies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's always easier when you can make it up. Uh, did you maybe watch uh, Shang Chi, the movie? Uh, Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's also influenced by kung fu movies as well. And I really yeah. expected to see the Iron Fist in that movie and Kun Lao, yeah. but we didn't saw it. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's golden um, opportunity. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I like that. A lot. I, I like that one a lot. Um, yeah. Like, well, yeah, it was it was pretty solid movie to me, but nothing special. <laughs> it was. A, I don't know, it, man. It was. No, oh, sorry. It was a phenomenal. Uh, action film but I I, yeah. I I thought when people were saying that it's kind of a groundbreaking for Marvel I was like no it's not no it's not you know and they kind well, of marketed uh, weirdly I to mean, me I mean you know uh, 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 Chinese friends Asian American friends who you know little things like him taking his shoes off before he mm -hmm. goes into the things like that like seeing cultural representation I you know I, I know was was really big to a lot of people that I that I know and spoke to, but like I, I was really impressed by how each of the kind of big kind of fight scene set pieces felt so different right. from the other. You know, it really felt like a kind of um, introduction to the various different styles of kung fu movie, whether it's mm -hmm. like wuxia, fantasy, or your kind of um, um, ong bak. Or uh, 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 the raid, you know, it kind of it spanned all kinds of. Here's a more of a Jackie Chan number, and here's this, and here's that, all that kind of stuff. Um, um, I, I thought I thought it it got a it was a, a pretty great introduction to kung fu movies. Yeah. You know, I'll give I'll give it one thing. I I have after it a little bit more faith that you can do a Dragon Ball live action film. Oh sure that. sure. Yeah, and look, I got Tony Young, uh, Tony Lung working again. You know, um, who had yeah. functionally retired. So anything that that gets Tony yeah. Lung on screens, I'm 100 percent there for. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Luca mentioned the uh, dragon. You have something to say? Oh, I did. I talking with some friends at the at, at, at the studio side of things who told me that like Tony Lung would interpret like like all of his combat moves had actors had an actorly decision every punch every kick the style of it meant what am i saying he was talked about tony's process as an actor and as a physical martial artist and like the difference between punching someone in anger and punching someone in 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 defense and you know what this kick means versus that versus that and how kind of he really worked with the physicality uh, which is a fast, it never occurred to me that that was possible, but that there was a different kind of punch would mean a different thing, you know, but mm -hmm. a little, little bit of fun trivia, I guess. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Uh, because I, I mean, uh, Mandarin versus his wife in the yeah. movie. That's I think one of the best, uh, fight scenes in whole Marvel cinematic universe in my opinion. Yeah. 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 No, and, I actually and it's think a, it's, and it's a love story, you know? Yeah. It's a it's a meet and shoot. I, it's a how it's a Howard Hawk. It's a Howard Hawk. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I actually don't like it because I like the the the, the action not to have that so so choreographed dance with it. But right. it's okay, right. <laughs> you know. Right. But that was all about choreograph. That was all about a dance. Yeah, that was a dance. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just uh, watched uh, Old Boy again. Uh, have you ever seen? No, it? that wasn't a dance. No, I haven't. No. <laughs> uh, uh, you should treat yourself to old boy this holiday season. 
but uh especially as a fan of the daredevil show you'll you'll love you'll old boy was responsible for yeah yeah yeah. a lot lot of one of the most one of the a lot of daredevil in a lot of ways every every scene fight uh filmed in the hallway after 2003 if i'm correct that when it came out was inspired by that so yeah (laughs) yeah And I love that, you know, every season yeah. of Daredevil, there was another, all right, the first one's the hallway. The second one, we're going down the 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 building, the stairs in the building. Like, it, they kept topping themselves with what's our, what's mm. our one-er fight this, this yeah. season, you know? But it kind of started yeah. with this, this set piece in Old Boy. You can check our video with, with Chris Brewster. He was stunt coordinator in the series. So, and Ooh. he came up with the hallway scenes and he spoke about that particular shooting of runners yeah it's great and, check it out uh tell me this uh we we spoke a little bit about your uh collaboration with taya before can we expect to see something fresh something new in the near future from two of you uh i don't know in the near future but we're always talking about it we're always dancing around it we're looking for the right thing um right fingers crossed <laughs> i'll write for him anytime any place anywhere Great. I, I, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, the latest we saw from you is Monarch, which you mentioned, Legacy of Monsters, which is yeah. Godzilla, Godzilla uh, TV series in the MonsterVerse. And you served there as a writer and you wrote Da Vinci's Demons uh, before, uh-huh. but it, this is like the next step, right? Yeah. How you were approached to this project? Uh. How was I approached to do it, or what was my approach? Uh, both. Okay. Um, I had a a, a deal with uh, my, my wife and I had a what was called an overall deal with Legendary, uh, where they were gonna, you know, where we worked on turning our some of our comics into other media, whether TV or movies, and and um, you know, Legendary has a quite big toy box. Um, and I asked about it, you know, and, and that was in 2018. So it's been almost, it was five years, practically door to door, um, uh, from the minute we started developing the show to the minute it actually started to come out, uh, actually came out. Um, and the, the approach was, there's a, uh, the approach was to not tell a TV sized version of the MonsterVerse films, but to try and tell a make a television show set in that world mm-hmm. i believe that yeah, those movies are so huge and they're so spectacular and like movies themselves are like events you buy a ticket you leave your house you go see it in a big theater full of people in a big crowd movies are always better in a big crowd and you watch it on the biggest loudest screen possible but tv is a thing you invite into your home you know and i think for you to invite something into your home it's got to be a it's got to be about characters, you know. So, so we wanted to to, to uh, Chris Black, the, my, my the co-creator of the show, with me, and we we wanted to make a show about what it's like to live in that world where no one is wondering is Godzilla real anymore. Everyone knows it's real, yeah. and it's just a fact of life we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, to, to, then the, the challenge became to create compelling characters that we were interested in and wanted to know more about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's. Uh, I watched until uh, uh, fifth episode, which was the yeah. latest at the time, and I I loved how you represented the human aspect, like you are uh, talking about right now, in, in this uh, big monster spectacle. Because yeah. in this action-packed movies and series, in this case, it, it, uh, like Godzilla, like Transformers, they are uh, the humans uh, in that stories. That part of storytelling is the weakest part, and you did it. Great. It reminded me of uh, some uh, manga storylines like Kaiju number eight, which, mm. which is one of the best mangas currently. And how do you, how did you manage to, to make human story compelling when everybody in this time wants to geek out when they see Godzilla finally? Right. Well, I, the, I think the thing is that we wanted to geek out when we see Godzilla finally too, you know, which was that the yes, thing. Yeah. Um, and what we realized was sort of, um, you know, we're a generously budgeted show, uh, uh, but so we knew that when when the big guys show up, it's got to stand shoulder to shoulder with the MonsterVerse films. Um, but we couldn't just have 
the, the monsters all the time, right? So uh, it really just became about creating these characters that were, you know, it was, we put it, you know, this, 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 is, this is a story about these, this brother and sister that are trying to figure out who their dad was and the giant monsters keep getting in the way. Um, and the best time to deploy a giant monster in our show is right when someone is about to get something that they really want. You know, right when they're close to the thing that they've been looking for, that's a great time to have something mm. huge pop up from underground and then terrify them. Or under ice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know. Um, but yeah, it was it was, you know, the 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 the, the monsters in our story are, are human as often as they are Titan, you know. So how different is to write a script for TV series and to write for comics? Is there essential difference or you have the same kind of process? Yeah, there's there are definitely essential differences, but so much of, you know, in comics, uh, space is time. Um, and in, you know, TV, time is time. Uh, uh, you know, the the my first experience of writing something that was filmed, you know, was, was for Da Vinci's demons. And, and my memory of watching the show as it was broadcast was how overwritten what I had done was and how jam packed it was that no moments had a chance to land or breathe. Didn't feel like the characters had time to listen to one another, let alone say everything that I was trying to shove into their mouths. Right. So I had this kind of, coming into it again, like on this understanding that like, don't, don't try to over, like, don't be clever. Don't be cute. Don't, don't, you know, let moments breathe and hang and, and all that stuff. And, and like, Oh, okay, I had, you know, um, Chris is, has, has worked in television his, his entire career knows what he's doing. Um, but, but it is sort of, it's, but it's fundamentally that sort of what's the least that I can write. Um, it's very collaborative, right? Like knowing that uh, leaving things for the actors to do, you know, uh, that was huge, right? Like, like letting the act, you know, leaving leaving things for directors, and rather not not trying to control an art direct and direct from the page and and all that kind of stuff. But it was it was um, similarly and similar enough that that I didn't feel too much of a learning curve. You know, it was the same things that vex me and and challenge me about writing comics vexed me and challenged me about writing for television we are jumping from a team to team a little bit don't mind me but right. uh uh your storylines are coming to life on screen uh from comics mm -hmm. and fear itself which we mentioned is one of the big crossovers one of the important events in marvel comics uh do you think it will get adapted maybe in the next saga or something do you see that story on the big screen or small yeah. screens you know, I think that um, I don't, but I think part of it is that the sort of um, that kind of end beat of of was sort of in Endgame, you know, with yeah. Cap with this with the hammer and, with the and hammer, yeah. you know what I mean. So so it feels like like it already has been in a way, you know, the most mm, important yeah. part ha has yeah. has already been there, you know. So. Um, uh uh i'm 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 i i can die happy you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah uh also which one would you like to see the most on the screen which your uh, of your storylines of like the like marvel stuff you mean any stuff um we'll say sex criminals then uh mm -hmm. sex criminals is we've been working on that for a while so uh, I get good feelings about sex criminals. Let's let's say sex criminals for now. Uh, and now, because I haven't read it, but I know it, it, it's regarded uh, highly regarded. Uh, how would you hook me up to to go and read sex criminals? Uh, oh, I'll just send you copies. You mean like how would I? How would I? Uh, <laughs> you mean like pitch how would it. I like sell it to you? Pitch it. Um, it's yeah. a sex comedy. It's a comedy like a comedy about sex. About um, it's a really it's a love story, um, full of the filthiest jokes you've you've ever you've ever read. Um, it's it's about uh, a young woman who, when she experiences orgasm, freezes time. 
Um, and so in this moment when she should feel as close to someone else as, as one can feel, uh, sex makes her feel incredibly disconnected and, and lonely and distant from the world. And then one day she hooks up with a guy who can do the same thing. Um, and together in this world of frozen time, they do what any of us would do. They fall in love and start to rob banks. <laughs> I'm hooked. <laughs> there you go. Now that's the thing. Uh, also, send me copies because I will. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Send me. Send me address. Anyway. I'll, yeah. Yeah. You have it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's also a thing uh, about comic books that, unfortunately, it hasn't been translated. A lot of superhero stuff stuff has been adapted, but other comic book stuff genres didn't have the time to shine. You know, like a lot of detective stuff and maybe some fantasy, sci-fi, mm -hmm. you know, different non-superhero way mm -hmm. and i wanted to also ask you maybe it's like a jumping from subject to subject a little bit all good but maybe maybe a final for me uh because i i'm currently reading your uh iron man mm -hmm. and uh, uh iron man is a character that's always been is also as interesting because uh you know and stanley said it you you this is the character that no one creating a character that perhaps you shouldn't like, but you end up liking it. And I think it's, well, for me at least, I like Iron Man because I think everybody has a little bit of that uh, ego and arrogance in us that they want to kind of uh, show off a little bit, but we don't have that maybe confidence. And, uh, and on that note, do you think that maybe uh, Iron Man is... Or, or or that kind of characters are maybe a little bit more difficult to write because uh, the, 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 the personality doesn't fit that pattern of I need to, this is what people will like and this is what people will not like. Well, um, I think, I mean, I think kind of the genius of, both casting Robert Downey Jr. and the genius of Robert Downey Jr. is he is immensely likable while also being a huge dick. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, so, so like that's, 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 that's the trick, right? Uh, um, and that, that's really interesting. I think it's, it's certainly the, the, the challenge. I think for me, it was the man was just as important in the iron as the iron in the title, you know what I mean? It was, yeah, you have him guy. going to AA meetings. Yeah. Yeah. It was, you know, as much about the, the guy in the suit as it was the suit. Um, and the like, guy, I'm an alcoholic and drug addict in recovery and, and, and Tony Stark was as well. And, and so it was a chance to kind of, that's a, that, that's a guy who's deeply in touch with his own flaws and, and, and aware of his worst tendencies, which is really compelling. Like when you know, the mistakes you're making as you're making them, but you make them anyway, like that's inherently dramatic. You know, there's an inherent conflict there. Um, yeah. And, and the idea of him being this kind of test pilot of, of, of being this kind of mad inventor who wanted to, yeah, that Howard Hughes type of like, I'm going to invent the fastest plane in the world and then I'm going to fly it. You know, yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a kind of interesting compulsion there. Right. Um, but I think I think when it's when it's done well, it's 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 kind of exactly what our DJ did is like, ah, oh, God, you're a dick, but I can't stop watching you. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, something uh, about storytelling, storytelling is, is this right, that uh, writers want to put every and each one of their ideas in their first one? Is that, uh, was that the case <laughs> with you? <laughs> uh, not all of my ideas but like i know that the first thing i did for marvel i certainly tried to cram as many cameos as possible into it because <laughs> it was like if i never if it never happens again so like it was like a wolverine short story it's like a 10 page wolverine short story but like i tried to get nick fury in there and spider-man and like the helicopter like just everything every toy i ever wanted to touch i tried to cram into the short story specifically <laughs> because like what if it never happens again um and it's the thing i think you can see when 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 people show up at marvel you can see that instinct like everybody wants to crash a helicarrier everyone wants to have spider-man show up 
you know yeah, um yeah. it's a, it's a, that comment it's a thing that we all share that the stuff we all love about being in that playground you want to touch your favorite toys right away regardless of how appropriate it is <laughs> yeah and i think that that marvel studios is exploiting that uh cameo uh part of their movies right now because we yeah, all right that's that's very yeah it's it's yeah yeah i think i think it's um yeah that's interesting yeah because everybody even if movie is bad like uh the marvels isn't the best movie in my opinion not even the good one unfortunately i would lo love it if the movie was good but wasn't uh but when the blu-ray version comes out or when it gets uh to be streamed on disney plus everybody will talk about the cameos and who showed in the post-credit scene right I guess, yeah. It's funny. I, I actually, I think that movie got unfairly maligned. I think that a lot of the kind of issues of fatigue, like I, I, I that had been sort of bubbling up, you know, the last few years from like Doctor Strange and 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 Thor and and Quantumania yeah. and everything. Like I thought that that movie kind of addressed. Like I thought it was kind of. Uh, kind of perfect self-contained story like there's something very bill mantlo and like the idea of like oh my god all of our powers are swapped right that's a classic that's a classic like steve engelhart kind of story or whatever mm -hmm. um uh so yeah I, th I think that movie just i think that and i think it was it was funny i think that it was uh yeah. uh uh fun and yeah I, th I think that like yeah i i thought marvel's got um and look i i clearly got a got a got a horse in the race here but um but but yeah that that, that movie got a, I think that got a uh 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 unfair um yeah I don't think I don't I don't think the, the movie I've read people talking about is not the movie that I saw right so uh, um but you know your mileage may uh, vary yeah I have the same uh, same thing about Eternals because Eternals is also backlashed after its release and it was considered to be bad but I loved it in the end. Huh. And, right, right, uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. And about about Marvels, it's like there's a, too much chaos. They do not manage to 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 control, basically. Uh, in my yeah, opinion. it was it was very. That's it's certainly it was very very. That's that's certainly uh, uh, true. Um, um, uh, by design, I think. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah uh, uh, But whether whether that works for you or not. Um, but like I just I I love that it wasn't about the end of the world again and all the you know the, 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 it was just this thing about oh my god our powers are scrambling we got to figure it out you know um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought the three of them were great together I thought like the Brie Larson was 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 great and Iman was amazing um, yeah and Best just like it was it was. Yeah, right. Just every time she opened her mouth, she's like, "Oh, oh, she's so great," you know. Um, and like letting Brie Larson be fun, you know, the jump where they're learning to jump. Her eyes going. Brie Larson does this thing where her eyes increase mm -hmm. like two hundred percent in size. It's my favorite special effect in the movie. Is just <laughs> a thing that Brie Larson does uh, when she's surprised by things. And 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 I thought it was. Um, yeah, I thought it was like, oh, that feels like what these movies should be is a little more self-contained, you know, a little more uh, less like homework, you know, but I think that was the problem and whether it was marketing it as as the Marvels rather than Captain Marvel 2, maybe people felt like, oh, wait, I didn't see Miss Marvel or I don't remember. I haven't seen WandaVision since it came out. You know, maybe it was, yeah. I don't know, but it but it uh, uh, it felt like, oh, no, this is what this should just be about these characters getting together and solving a problem is pretty great for me. Uh, also, your wife is also a comic book writer, and she also yeah. uh, adapts manga to English uh, English language. So, I uh, I assume you are familiar with uh, manga world and with the uh, uh, whole thing uh, about about that. So, have you maybe got your hands on some of the manga uh, to read them? And what do you think about manga style? You know, I've I can't. Um... I don't, I can't, I can't, I've got, it's pretty limited. Yes, I have, but, but it's pretty limited and I suspect pretty basic. Um, mm. uh, and honestly, my, my favorite guy is, is Tayo Matsumoto, um, uh, uh, who just does these like, um, uh, 
black and white or a tech on concrete um and um, um number five and uh uh i love um oh shit uh the guy that did pluto i don't uh in monster i know i know the, the um, manga but i i can't remember who wrote it uh the name can't see his stuff anyway um yeah so a, a little but uh um i've not a not i've not read a ton of of, of manga and you know i love you know otomo's stuff and and osama tezuka's stuff and the other thing is just like but where do you keep it there's just so much of it uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah talk about the volumes <laughs> yeah 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 catching up to one piece is a hell of a job yeah i must break exactly. that i did it <laughs> Yeah, or uh, uh, you know, yeah, it's a, it's it can be a huge undertaking, but um, yeah, no, it's it's um, it's a great world, you know, uh, and I, you know, I was in Japan shooting uh, uh, Monarch and went and bought some Tankuban, you know, in in Japanese, just to like, there's such, a, it's just such an amazing, just to sit down and yeah. see all the different styles and all the different flavors of things, that no idea existed, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, and they just released their uh, Godzilla uh, minus one. Uh, it's so good. Have you seen it? No, not yet. No, so good. Our cinema. So good, and they're gonna put it back out in January, in black, in and, black white. and white. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. I I can't wait to see it, but not soon. I suppose. Not soon, I suppose <laughs> here, but yeah, we'll yeah. see it definitely. Matt, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as we did. Uh, this was fantastic. Thank you for your patience with me, too. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for your time. And but yeah, before, we, before we wrap up, we have a little tradition where we uh, say a quote on our Montenegrin language and translate it to English. And I've chosen a quote from our writer. Uh, he's some kind of fantasy sci-fi, only sci-fi writer we have currently. Uh, he's yes, uh, uh, Chedo Vukovic, and it's more credo than, than a quote. And he said uh, on our language, disati choistom znači postojati. So I hope you will have a lovely afternoon. Yeah, you too. Have a great holiday. And thanks for, again. Thank you so much for having me. We stay genuine, uncensored, and unscripted. And we always will, as we have to order our usual. Share us, subscribe us, and stay tuned until the next Wednesday. Iguzo!